Hello there, you're listening to the Act 29 Europe podcast, conversations on church planting in Europe. My name's Dan Steele, I'm pastor of a church in Oxford, and along with my co-host Steve Robinson from Liverpool, we want to hear from different guests about what God is doing in different contexts in the vast expanse of Europe. To be better informed and encouraged, to know how to be praying, and to, under God, plant more and healthier churches that thrive and flourish as they take the message of Jesus into a world that needs to hear of him. Welcome, you're listening to the Acts 29 Europe podcast, conversations on church planting in Europe. Uh, my name's Dan Steele, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Robinson. Uh, Robbo, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, brother. Good, good, good to hear. Um, bro, I wanted to ask you a question. I know um, you guys up in Liverpool, tell us a bit about your church in a moment, but I'm excited because I know you have... Well, the Lord has provided a new building for you um, and you mm. stuck a, a video on Facebook, I think, a while ago and you kind of showed us around and man alive, it's it's big and it's beautiful. Um, tell us a bit about how that's all going. Uh, we'd love to hear this. Yeah, the continuing ongoing story of your of your building. Yeah, it's um, it's ongoing. That is the word that I would use. It is ongoing and it is in hand and I'm glad that it's in the Lord's hand and not in mine. For those that don't know, uh, by God's grace, the building that we have been using for many years, uh, we, we are, uh, it's been too small for, for a number of years and lots of different opportunities to meet in different spaces or buy different buildings, but God provided us with a building right in the community where we are. It's an old Baptist church. I think it's about 130 years old. And basically it's it, it's been left for the last four, five, probably longer than that years. So it needs a lot of work doing to it. And, um, but like what you said, it is big and it is very beautiful. So we are hoping, praying, trying to work on getting that building to at least to a point where we're able to gather in there and tell more people about Jesus. So it's ongoing, bro. But one of the key things for prayer on that is we don't want the building to become a distraction to yeah, gospel yeah. ministry. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a key thing for us all the time. But it's it's ongoing. God's providing. You know what I mean? If anyone wants to support us and help us financially, <laughs> we're open for that because, you know what I mean, it's kingdom ministry. So if people want to help us out, we're more than happy to do that. So, But we're hoping that it can be a beacon of light in our community where people know the gospel is preached in that place. So that's that's, great, that's the that's the hope for it. Right, maybe we'll put sticks on in the show notes to give people a chance to see a bit more. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of a different one today. I'm going to um, interview Robbo, but we're here as well with um, a friend of his, a friend of ours, um, Vlad, um, and we're going to hear a bit about Vlad's story. But because it's so closely tied in with Robbo and the church he pastors up in Liverpool. Um, then I'm going to ask the majority of the questions um, and we're going to kind of hear them both answer. Um, so Vlad, a really warm welcome to you. Um, I'd love to hear a bit about you, uh, a bit about your family, where you are now um, and how you became a Christian. Um, introduce yourself. Hi guys, uh, thank you for having me. Yes, my name is Vlad. I'm almost 35 years old. Uh, I'm married to Juana and we have two boys. Caleb is six and Yaakov is uh, three years old. At the moment, we are planting Adulam Church in Timisoara, Romania, or Adulam, as we say in, uh, in our language in Romanian. I became a Christian 10 years ago uh, when I was in Liverpool, England. That's why you already mentioned, Dan, my, my connection to Steve. Um, I was in Liverpool, England. I, I moved uh, there 
in to to England uh, in 2008 like uh, many people from my country who emigrated towards Western Europe countries in the last three decades after the fall of communism in Romania. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian uh, family. Actually, in, in Romania, almost everybody say they are Christians. You know, they're, they're Orthodox Christians, but um, not many people have anything to do with the gospel or not even with church. Um, <laughs> So I grew up with no no spiritual input in in my life. Um, never been to church. Never been to a church where the gospel was preached until I was I think I think I was twenty four years old. That's when I heard someone preaching for the first time. You know, um, at nineteen. Uh, yeah, going a bit uh, a bit back at nineteen, I was uh, I was an atheist. Uh, I just discovered YouTube, found some uh, videos, some debates. I read some articles, knew a little bit of English, read some books, and um, I also grew up listening to to a lot of hip hop. And um, yeah, I used to smoke weed occasionally. And in two thousand and eight, I was I was twenty one, twenty two at the time. I moved to England. Um, but right after I moved to England, uh, right after a couple of months after that, 2008, the credit crunch hit the world. And I was in Liverpool at the yeah. time. And as many of you know, I think Liverpool was the most affected city in the whole of mm -hmm. the UK by, by that. So um, it came a period in my life when I had to work cash in hand, you know, wherever I could find a job uh, for a day or two. I had no paperwork. I also um, came by myself to England. You know, sometimes when, when people leave the country, they live in groups, you know, groups of friends, or they move to somewhere where they already have a community. I came all by myself. I didn't know anyone. Uh, but I, I made some friends the first day I arrived in, in Liverpool. And the first day I arrived in Liverpool, I, um, I started smoking weed. This will become relevant in, okay. in a second. You know, I, <laughs> I kind of smoked weed many times before in my life. I, I was smoking since I was 14. Uh, now I was 22 uh, at this time. But, but this was different from the stuff we had in Romania. You know, I, I, I smoked cannabis grown in all sorts of ways to make it more potent, you know, with chemicals and all that, but never like this one. You know, that Liverpool stuff is, is dangerous. <laughs> and, <laughs> also very cheap it was very cheap um you know that that <laughs> combined combined with the situation i was in you know all by myself um as i said no no other romanians around surrounded by people i could not understand you know i could speak english i could understand the english but the scouse <laughs> was something else <laughs> you and me both lad <laughs> yes yes that scouse was something else man but the whole situation, uh, hard to find work, uh, some other issues in my life, you know, that were unresolved um, back in Romania, you know, family, all sorts of things. And that uh, quite quite rapidly led me into a lifestyle where, where I started smoking weed every day, every day. And that went like that for almost two years. 
you know, when, when you're smoking weed, it's very hard to admit that you're addicted because mm. if you grow up in, like I grew up, you know, influenced by hip hop culture and, and all that by rappers and uh, all that, it, it's very hard to admit that cannabis uh, will make you addicted. But mm. that, that was my life. You know, mm. I, I used to wake up in the morning. If I had weed, I got high first thing in the morning. If I found that job someday, one day I would go to work, but can't wait to go back home and and get high and that was ev- all i knew all i wanted to do now you know in addiction um addiction always comes with depression and anxiety and lots of of other things and loneliness and um that also makes you ask questions um as i was alone most of the time you know i started asking asking myself questions and um you know, one one of the things I was I was asking myself about was was life. You know, you know, if this life is all that there is, as things I I believed as an atheist, um, if that's it, then I I kind of messed up. You know, I didn't know how to do it. You know, this thing with life. Um, but so it happened. Um, after a while, I found a job in, in another city, in, in Stockport, actually, where um, I went to work there for a month in a, in a former old people's home that uh, was almost derelict. No one lived there for eight years. And the last people who lived in that, in that building died or left eight years prior to that. And there were many rooms in which no one entered for, for many, many years, but they were intact. You know, they were like capsules in time. Uh, the things were still in there, you know, the, the, the things that, uh, the people who lived there last used. And, um, yeah, I went to work in, in that building because it was about to be renovated and everything that was in there had to be taken out. And, uh, this this family who were renovating this this building needed someone just to to take everything out but also live there on the property so uh, i arrived i arrived there and in the first evening when when i was there in in one of the rooms um on a shelf there were many books you know but on 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 a particular shelf was a bible you know and i took the bible down and went to my room and and started reading that that very evening it was a good news translation you know very easy to understand for someone who who has english as a second language now i would not recommend that for preaching but it it was so easy to understand and go through it so i started reading from the first page you know from the first page of the bible i started reading and um yeah, I remember even even when I read in in the Good News translation, I think the first verse in in Genesis is when the in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, you know. And I remember that I stopped there and and I thought, you know, if if this is true, if this is true, you know, if 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 there is something someone who created the, the heavens and the earth, that means everything that exists. Um man, why why would anyone want to know anything else in this life why would you want to to know anything else apart from that you know i think it was i think it was ricky gervais in one of his shows saying that you know if if that first verse of the bible it's true then you have mm. to believe everything it's like yeah that that's true that's true and he's it's coming from an atheist you mm. know 
who's usually mocking the Bible. Um, so I started reading uh, the Bible page by page uh, when while I was there. I, I, I used to wake up in the morning, read the Bible, work what I had to do there on the building, and then stop for lunch, read the Bible, work until the evening. And in the evening, I read the Bible for a few hours. And I remember even from that first evening, you know, I think I read all the way to to Abraham, you know, and and there into into Genesis 12, uh, 13, 14. And I, I did not believe everything. Um, but man, from the first page that I read, I felt like like a fire burning inside of me and and something was was transforming inside. And I just wanted to talk to someone about what I was reading. You know, I read about the Bible from the books written against the Bible, but I've never read the Bible. And it, it was something else. You know, it, it was like I, I could not believe what I was reading. And um, I continued like that, um, page by page, page by page. And when, when things became very, very uh, intense for me was were those passages where people usually stop reading the Bible, you know, uh, Exodus 25, 26 and so on, where uh, uh, God describes the temple, the tabernacle and all the, the rituals and all the, the, the garments that the priests have to wear. Now, before I moved to England, I, I, I used to study architecture in, in Timisoara in, in Romania. So when when I read all those descriptions of materials and structure and garments and fabrics and all that, I, I could just visualize everything. And I started drawing them and uh, started making scale models and drawings and all that. And and it, I was I was fascinated by that, you know, and that carried me through Leviticus. Many people <laughs> ask me, how, how, how on earth did you read Leviticus for the first time? I did not understand uh, many things from Leviticus, but I had in mind, you know, what I was drawing, what was happening, you know, around um, that that place, you know. So that that was that was incredible for me. I realize now things like that don't happen. Like Steve told me that for the first time, you know, man, things like this don't happen usually. <laughs> but at the time, they they were so normal for me. So for for a whole month, I think I lived in Stockport. I just I just read the Bible and and stay away from drugs, just do some hard work and just focus on the Bible and read every day whole chapters. But then I moved back to Liverpool after a month. And of course, the first evening when I arrived in Liverpool, I started smoking weed again and fell into the worst addiction of my life like that. That was the worst um, and the darkest, the darkest mm -hmm. moments of, of my life until then. And I, I was struggling with this. I, I didn't know about sin or, or thinking about smoking weed as a sin or something that God is against. But I, at this time, I also started praying to God, you know, and, and talking to God and, and just saying, you know, I, I want this to go away from my life. I, I, I have a feeling you might not want this. You might not want me to smoke weed. <laughs> and uh, I, I had panic attacks. You know, I, I thought I was going to die some, some, some of the evenings when everything was getting dark and I, I, I would get paranoid and all that. I didn't have these, um, these, these things before. 
but these were happening. These were daily occurrences now. Uh, but I could not stop smoking weed. I just could not. I, I've tried so many times to, to stop it, but I just continue to, to buy it every day, every day. Um, yeah, at some point, I, it just stopped. You know, slowly I started smoking less and less and less. And I think it was in January 2010 when I smoked for the last time. I just, okay. I just stopped okay. it. I didn't, I, I had desire for it, but okay. I did not smoke it anymore. And, but I continued to read the Bible. And about this time I, I reached the New Testament and I read about Jesus. And that was when, for me, things started to change for real. You know, I've never read Jesus's words. I never read about Jesus from the Bible. And, you know, I, it was, it was incredible for me. I was talking to Jesus every day, saying to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to be in your team, you know, all, all sorts of things, like things that were coming into, into my mind, just wanted to be with Jesus, just wanted to know Jesus more and read through whole the Bible in, in a couple of months. Of course, you don't understand much. But I remember uh, this this idea from from Second Corinthians five, where where Paul says that um, he became God made him who knew no sin to become sin. You know, for me, when when I read that verse for for the first time, something something clicked there mm-hmm. because it was this time in my life when when I started to become aware of of sin things that were bad in my life i didn't want to do and i knew god is hating so when when i read that you know it's like i knew jesus was without sin and god made him sin i i you know the first the first understanding of the gospel you know that that Jesus took my sin started to to take shape in my in my head i i still not fully comprehend how that will happen and why that would be i i would still think about jesus jesus's death as the greatest example of how to love your enemies or something like that sure. now it was easter 2010 and through my letterbox there came a, an envelope you know that had the I don't know, something like an address on it. And when I opened inside was Luke's gospel. And I was like, man, I just started, I just finished reading the whole Bible. And, you know, I was living in, in the same house with these guys who were addicted to, to drugs as well. And I stopped uh, taking drugs. And it's like, man, someone is putting Bibles through, through people's doors. This is amazing. You know, how, how this, this is incredible. Uh, who who are these people? I know what the Bible did in my life. Imagine people who who buy Bibles and just give them for free. So, in the in the introduction of that Luke's gospel, yeah. it's it explained this idea that Jesus absorbed our sin. You know, and I was reading that. And it's like, man, this is this is something I was like kind of in my head. You know, it it was happening, and. Um, still many 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 things going on in my life at the time god was answering my prayers every day but then uh one day one day i was walking across uh my street you know i used to i used to yeah. live in uh off penny lane in liverpool and i i passed this brick 
uh, red brick building, very small. I thought it was a garage before. <laughs> but now I looked and they had this poster. It was like just around the corner from me. They had this poster outside that said, the Bible is the most thrilling book you'll ever read. I know Steve hates that poster. But, uh, <laughs> I agree with what it says, but I, I didn't like the poster. <laughs> but the graphics, the graphics were terrible. And it was put, you know, a, a little bit on the side. It wasn't even placed properly. But I was passing that building and I was looking at it and it's like, man, I, I don't know what cold that is, you know, but I agree with what they say over there. The Bible is the most thrilling book you'll ever read. So, um, yeah, uh, I decided one day to go there. And, um, one, one morning, I think it was, it, it was either 10th of May or, or 23rd of May. I don't know exactly now, uh, 2010, we, we have to look when that is a, a Sunday. Um, I woke up in the morning. I didn't sleep all night. I, I still struggle with insomnia from uh, getting out of drug addiction. Um, and and I went around nine o'clock. I passed uh, I passed that building, and the side door was open. And I looked inside, and there was this guy uh, playing a guitar, wearing just shorts and flip flops. Now I knew, you know, even though I've never been to church in my life, I knew that when you go to church, you dress up, you know, Sunday's best and all that. So um, I, um, I said, man, look, look at that guy. I, I'm going to go there today because I, I had, you know, I didn't buy clothes before I left Romania. Like I, I, I looked terrible, you know, uh, I, my hair wasn't cut, you know, I, I looked like, like I look now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I decided to to go, you know, just to see what what that's all about. Yeah. So um, I, I went in uh, at at ten, and um, yeah, people welcomed me. They found out I'm from Romania. They started talking to me. Then the service started, and um, people started singing. And th that's when I wanted to leave. It's like that. This is crazy. <laughs> this is what's going on. <laughs> This is weird. Um, but then then I stayed, you know, I stayed and uh, I just looked at them. And um, then this guy, this this ginger guy without a beard at that time, just stood up and and he, he says this, you know, um, hey, uh, we're glad you're here and uh, please open your Bibles. And he says, Vlad, if, if you don't have the Bible, you can take a Bible from in front of you on the chair. And I, I haven't spoken with this guy. I've spoken with other people, but not with him. Uh, so I was like, where, where does he know my name? You know, uh, of course, other people told him. Uh, he, he will tell you the story from the other point of view. So I, I opened the Bible and he started preaching. He was in um, through, the, through the Gospel of Mark. Right after Jesus comes back from the uh, from the Mount of Transfiguration, I don't remember what he said, but I remember you know those sermons that when God speaks to you, you don't really remember after years what he said, but but you remember in that moment God was changing something inside of you. Yeah. So yeah, when Steve started preaching at the time, I was like, man, this is this is where God brought me. You know, these Please. people know about Jesus. I've been praying to Jesus that I want to know him better. 
And these people really know stuff about Jesus. They, they, they study Jesus. They want to know and, and follow Jesus. And this is where God brought, God nice. brought me here. Wow. So I didn't get to, to speak with many people after that. Uh, but they announced that uh, on Tuesday, uh, on every day for the next couple of, uh, for the next week, they're going to meet and pray every morning from six mm-hmm. o'clock. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on a Monday because uh, I slept in. I didn't, I didn't plan on going, but anyway, but on Tuesday, Tuesday night, again, I had a, a sleepless night, you know, mm-hmm. insomnia for the mm-hmm. whole night. Mm-hmm. And in the morning around six, 10 past six, I said, you know, I'm going to go and pray there with those guys. So I went and I just sat down and people started praying for me by name, you know, mm-hmm. and after that I spoke with Steve and he explained to me, you know, he said, you know, your story, how you read the Bible and all that, because I told him a little bit about mm-hmm. why I came there. He said, you know, things like this don't happen, mm-hmm. uh, but stay around, stay around. So Amazing. I stayed there uh, for a few years after that. That's great. Brother, thank you. What a privilege to hear some of that. Um, that's so encouraging for us because in one sense, Steve's right. These things don't happen that often and we don't hear about them. Steve, tell us a bit from your perspective when this um, messy looking Romanian walks in on a Sunday and then comes to the prayer meeting. And yeah, please. Bro, can I just say this, Vlad? Oh, it's just a joy to hear you speak, man. It's just a joy to hear. Mm. I haven't heard it in that much detail as well. So thanks. That's been a pleasure. And uh we we just replanted um, Ramley's Road Chapel, so a small group of people, folks that thought their church was going to die. And one of the key things was we wanted to get back to the gospel, preaching the gospel, reaching the community. They just were desperate to see people come to know the Lord Jesus. So this one particular morning, the elders used to meet in a little room and we used to pray before. And then one of the elders who was at the door came bouncing into our prayer meeting, saying, "There's a young guy just arrived." So when you're when you've been part of a church that nobody has come to as a guest especially a non-believer when somebody walks in you notice and when there's only 25 people you notice so he bounds in he knew everything about vlad from a, probably about a five minute conversation five minute conversation but it's like a romanian guy he's not working he's never been to church before he's there so so obviously i knew his name and as soon as i walked in i knew who he was because i knew everybody else so so um so we, you know, we had our service and I ended up, I didn't speak to Vlad. I didn't speak, apart from obviously if you want a Bible, you can have a Bible, but I didn't speak to him. And we had the prayer meetings and we arrived on the Monday morning um, to pray. And there were like 17 of us, just all all in a circle in our small little building. And we were sitting there. And I just went around the room asking each of the people, what, who, are there anyone that you want us to pray for? Anybody that we can pray for who do, who doesn't know Jesus, that we can pray that they come to know the Lord Jesus. And I got around to the, these two ladies from our church, Pat and Joan, uh, and uh, two, two spinsters in our church. They actually, they actually bought a house together uh, when they were a, little, uh, a few years ago, and they, they lived together. Now, it, Vlad sat next to these two dear ladies, and as I got to them, they both said, can we pray for that young man who came to church yesterday called Vlad? Absolutely, let's pray for him. So we walked, went around, and we spent an hour, and we prayed, and we prayed for Vlad. The next morning, we arrive at six o'clock, the same 17 people. We go around the the circle. I ask the same question, is there anybody that you want us to pray for? And they both said again, can we pray for that young man, Vlad? We started praying. Ten minutes later, he walks through the door, Vlad. So folks, imagine, 
imagine what that's like for a small church of they hadn't seen anyone being baptized for years. Nobody had come to know the Lord Jesus for years. A guy walks in wearing a prayer meeting, praying at six in the morning, and the lad that they're praying for walks walks through the door as we're praying for him. Uh, um, it was like it, it, you know, it was like their eyes were like, "Oh my, prayer does work. The gospel is real. God is 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 doing something." And they they were just amazed. I could see it on their faces. And Vlad just came in quietly and he sat down and put his head down. Now, what's interesting from my perspective was I used to be a police officer, so I didn't I didn't seem to be as excited as all the other guys. I was like, "Wow, what's going on here?" And I went straight to, "All right, what is an a, a Romanian guy?" that's never been to church before, doing, getting up at six o'clock in the morning to come to a prayer meeting. So I spent the whole prayer meeting as people were praying for him, looking at Vlad. And then I was also checking all the ladies' bags and purses, thinking he's going he's gonna to grab a purse and he's going to run. So I'd pick the window to throw Vlad out of as soon as he did that. So that was the whole time as these people were like praising the Lord, the Vlad. I was like, He's going to get it. He's going to get it. Anyway, he comes to me afterwards and he, he, he explains and he shares through his story. And he, one thing that he did say to me, um, which he never mentioned, well, he sort of touched on, which just, it blew me away. Obviously, he'd read the Bible in a very short p- period of time. And basically what he said was, I read through the Old Testament. And then when I read about Jesus, that just blew my mind. And then when I read parts of Paul's letters, the whole story made sense to me. I understood why Jesus died for me. And obviously, Vlad didn't know the, con- the, the, the concept of what it meant to become a Christian. He didn't understand what it meant to, 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 to ask for forgiveness. He didn't understand all those things. So from that point, I think, Vlad, you came to my parents' house that night, um, didn't we, with, with all my family? I think you came that night. And, um, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. and we ended, we ended up talking loads about him and, and, and his story and the gospel. And as Vlad said, it was three years, four years, three or four years. Basically, we, we hung out every single day. And uh, a, few, a, few, a few weeks after Vlad becoming a Christian, we, uh, we were able to baptize him along with a few other people that had become Christian after that time as well. And it, is just, it was just an absolute blessing. And it was just an answer to prayer. When you're part of revitalizing churches, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for God to answer the prayer. Why do people want their church to be revitalized? Ultimately, because they want to see people come to know Jesus. That's why. So yeah. when God does that, ah, oh, it was amazing. So it's a story that I am just thankful that God has allowed me to be part of. And all what God was doing in Vlad, <laughs> leading up to <laughs> him walking into our building, God was preparing a people in a, in the back streets of Liverpool to, to be the place where he, he, he ends up walking in and by God's grace, he's now a child of God and he's doing what he's doing for his glory, which is amazing. Amazing. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about what he is doing now. So Brad, you are, you're, you've, you've run from Liverpool. Um, You're back in Romania. Yes. Um, (laughs) And tell us, tell us about Romania for those of us who don't know Romania um, and tell us a bit about what it is you're doing now as well. Um, at the moment, we we are uh, uh, planting planting a church in Romania, in uh, the city where I was born and where I grew up in Timisoara. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, one one of the things that became very clear to me at at Cornerstone was that uh, God was was calling me to 
to tell others about him. You know, Jesus was calling me to preach the gospel and um, these people, you know, they invested in me and they, they, they gave everything they had to give for me to be trained, for me to go and study, for me to, to, um, to be able to go into ministry and, and get everything I needed to do that properly. Um, and I knew somehow that one day I'm going to come back to Romania. I didn't know how and when, but that so happened. That's a story for another time. Uh, but in 2013, uh, my wife and I, in the meantime, I got married, you know, um, to a Romanian Christian girl. Um, which is a great we, story as well, isn't it? Which is a great story happened. as well. That's, that's another story. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait, just, just, just where did you guys meet? And then maybe we'll have you back. Where, where did you guys meet? Yeah, shall I tell you? I think I tell that story better than you. <laughs> go on, go on. Go on. Vlad, you go on, do it. I was, I was sharing it with you as it was happening. That's why. <laughs> I was too emotionally involved. You you have the, the objective perspective on that. So, so Vlad, obviously, <clears throat> Facebook was really kicking off in a big way during that time. It, sort of, it got its traction and, you know, everybody was sort of getting on and jumping on Facebook. And Vlad being obviously uh, a millennial and, and being in, the, in his early uh, mid-20s, he was on Facebook when he was, should have been studying as part of the internship. And he, <laughs> we'd share an office with a, a, another guy called Ryan, who is now uh, an, an elder of one of the churches that we've been able to plant as well. So, so um, we're all sitting there and talking away. And anyway, we, we start talking about relationships and girls, and, and Vlad sort of drops in that he's talking to somebody. So our assumption is that it's somebody off his course or something. And but Vlad had always said, "I'm going to marry a Romanian girl. I'm or I'm going to marry a Romanian girl." He'd always say this, and then and basically he 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 told us, and and you know we we like to banter a little bit, so he told us straight away about about her. Went, okay, tell us how how you met. Now this is the, this is unbelievable. Anyway, she he Vlad was on Matt Chandler's Facebook page, right? Facebook page, Matt Chandler's, who, for those that don't know, is the president of Acts 29 and the senior pastor of the Village Church in America. And it was on a page, the Matt Chandler's page, and he's looking <laughs> through the page, A page of, uh, made by somebody else for, for, for him, support yeah. him in prayer when, yeah. he, when he had cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, wow. which, which, um, so Vlad's like, he said, well, I was looking through the, the and I clocked this name. And I'm like, that's, that's a Romanian name. Then I looked and I'm like, she studies in Timisoara. So Vlad contacts her, ends up having a conversation, you know, and, and obviously over the wonder of, of, of Facebook come to, to connect with each other. And she moved over, uh, she came over and then the, we, they got married in Romania and came and lived in England. But what's also interesting is I told the story to Matt and Lauren Chandler. Now I didn't know, I thought it was just his Facebook page. I didn't know. And I shared the story. I said, let me, let me tell you about this. And, 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 and Lauren says, Matt doesn't have a Facebook page. And I'm like, and then it comes to realize that it, someone had set it up for prayer support. For, and so I remember chatting to them and we're like, so, you know, even in the midst of, of, of the difficult time that they were going through, God was even using that to bring these two guys together, the, 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 actually to bring that together to see what they're doing now, to see churches planted in Tumashwara, which is like 
unbelievable to see God's sovereign hand through through even the the difficulty and the brokenness and the sadness that is going on. And they were they were delighted when I told them a number of years ago, which is which is great. Is is that true? <laughs> what I've just said, true, Vlad? Yes, yes, yes. That, that, <laughs> that, that's how it happened. Yes, yes. We we met that's on incredible. on Matt Chandler's Facebook page. He's still he he's still uh, our uh, favorite teacher. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> he's still our favorite our favorite uh, our favorite Bible teacher, and yeah, we've been, we've been really blessed by by uh, uh, by his ministry uh, in our marriage as that's well great. and our family life. That's great. Well, go, go, coming back to um, to Romania. Romania uh, is a thank you. Used to be very very religious. It's still a very religious country. Not so much now as as it was like even ten years ago. It's becoming more and more secularized. Uh, but um, mm. you know, when I say religious, I don't I don't mean like people knew the gospel or they had faith in God. But they they were just. Uh, um, you know, stuck in some traditions and just had some labels uh, on them. You know, I'm an Orthodox or, or all that. Um, people, we see, we see the new generation on Gen X or millennials. You know, um, asking questions. You know, uh, um, people are watching the church. You know, they're they're watching um, the Orthodox Church. They're watching um, evangelical churches. They're, they're watching how that faith is being lived out. Um, Many people don't want to do uh, anything, don't want anything to do with with organized religion. Um, that also gives us the the opportunity to answer, you know, some questions and and engage people in conversation uh, on that. Um, also, um, what we see, you know, in terms of uh, gospel churches, I can say that now. At this moment, in every major city in Romania, churches are being planted. You know, something that was very rare 10 years ago when, when Steve, I think you came, you came with a group of people and we visited Romania together. You know, church planting was, was something that was happening, but not it wasn't uh, a big thing. But now every major city in our country sees churches being planted, which is great. Um, it's good. There, there's also some heretical movements going on, and that's some crazy stuff, man. I've just seen some videos online that that terrified me. Um, Romania, Romania is changing, you know, economically as well. Uh, many people work abroad still, you know, and they mm-hmm. they make more money there. They send money into the country, but there's also many opportunities, you know, within the country. For people to to make a good living more than it was 10 years ago maybe there's still a lot of poverty a lot of poverty and for me personally as i i focus on uh you know addictions and and things like that i see a huge problem with alcohol um you know um it's it's a big problem in Romania. Alcoholism it's a big problem, and more recently in the last um, the last uh, couple of years, uh, these um, synthetic drugs among the youth they're causing havoc. Mm-hmm. So many many youth with mental health issues and and um, lots of lots of problems because of the synthetic drugs. Um, but this is this is Romania. In short, from my perspective, what I notice and what I see at this time, brother, you—I know you're supported in terms of Act Twenty Nine stuff by Church in Hard Places, and you're part of a cohort. We were hearing from um, 
Hugo, uh, I think on the last episode um, about some of the cohorts. Could you tell us a little bit about what that means? Um, I think there's some sort of weekly gatherings, is that right, online? Or what does what does that look like um, in practice? And how, how helpful is that for you? So I just I just joined a church in hard places, you know, uh, a cohort. It's it's a study cohort. That's that's all we do for now. We we just study together okay. every month. Yeah. We read two books together, uh, theology, you know, theology books, and we write two papers. Mm-hmm. And then we have a meeting uh, on every third Thursday of the month where we discuss how the, the issues that we um that we read and wrote about apply to our specific uh, ministry context it's, it, it, we had three meetings already i've been so blessed by by this man you know they all work in in uh probably the darkest places i, I mean every every place without the gospel is dark whether is is economically poor or economically more advanced you know if it doesn't have the gospel it's a dark place but these people you know they minister in in very difficult situations from from many points of view so uh, yeah there's there's much to learn from this man and uh, unfortunately we couldn't meet we were supposed to meet together you know for for a, a retreat and for a small conference but we couldn't do that um, hopefully hopefully this year or next year bro that's that's great stuff um it's how tell us a little bit about Adulam church tell us how things are going because Obviously, there's a few years from when you left Liverpool mm-hmm. to 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 go to to, and, and I know you spent some time in working with different churches, which was a massive blessing for you. And then moving back to Zimbabwe to plant, but literally, you're you're you were trying to kick this church off, and then lockdown kicks in. How things have been for you uh, during that time as well? Yeah, it's been uh, we've we've been uh, seeing we've been seeing blessings a lot in spite of. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a hard year uh, for me personally, for for us as a, as a church. You know, uh, there have been some um, some difficult situations that that were unexpected. You know, it was uh, I've been involved in uh, church planting from um, how can I say uh, from off the pitch. You know, just looking at other people do church planting and talking with them mm. and, and praying them and and supporting them in other way but when we went into it there was nothing that could have prepared us for for this situation you know trying to raise a group of, a, a team you know from from people who come from different contexts you know uh most of them didn't know each other from before get them all together you know and 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 uh try to to get on the same vision you know uh, the same training the same perspective and go together on the same road um you need to meet together for that you need to to build friendships for that and we started doing that very very well i believe but then you know this uh, uh, lockdown hit us in romania as well and uh, it was very hard for us to meet so um, this was my my biggest struggle, and I spoke with you, Steve, a couple of times about it. You know, it was it was so hard. What do I do now? What mm. do I do now? Where uh, I cannot get out of the house, uh, you know, unless I write a paper mm. where I give the reason for what I'm going out and so on. And the people cannot come to our house, and um, it's it's hard to do a small group Bible study online. It it, mm. it was it. I hate it. You know, I I. 
I genuinely hate that. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't say that, you know, because we study the Bible, but you know that context of trying to to be on Zoom and people talking and and all that. It's it's so hard. So um, yeah, but uh, I was so blessed to see people understanding the gospel. You know, yeah. that's that's the greatest joy in my life. You know, I I made a point of uh, preaching you know the gospel every week at every meeting and the first the first couple of months just focus on basics you know just mm. on basics and people coming back to me and said you know man we 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 really we really for the first time we really understand what this is all about we really started to see you know the gospel in that passage and that's amazing and that that's that just fills my heart with with joy and gladness and um yeah, we of course we wanted uh, we would have wanted our uh, team to be bigger. You know, we wanted to have more people in our meetings, but it was uh, it was impossible. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't have a space where to meet. We used to meet at a hotel, and when the lockdown came, that that uh, we we couldn't meet there anymore. Now we we're renting a space which is very small. Is very very small. Um, some people are online every Sunday. You know, we set up in such a way that some people can be online, some people can be in the building, and we're going like that um, for now. For now, that's great, bro. I, um, I, it, you know, you're hearing your story. I'm sure people are going to be really encouraged how God's moved in your heart. And actually, just to think that you and Wana are now in back in your home country, a place where many people were leaving. And you've returned back because your heart is to see people come to know the Lord Jesus. And I think from Acts 29's perspective, it's just a blessing to to hear about what God is doing through Acts 29 churches, to see people get saved, to see churches planting churches. You know, an added issue to even this, your story is that Cornerstone's relationship with Frontline Church, Oklahoma City, and financially you've been able to support and just that global yeah. Uh, situation mm. that Acts 29 brings and then add the wonderful cohorts of which you are being blessed through um, even in this difficult time which is amazing I got one question for you before we ask you mm. some shorter questions what is what what is your dream what's the what's the dream and the hope for Adulam Church in Timisoara bro um of course we we want to we want our church to grow because we want more people to know about Jesus. That's that's uh, uh, the main the main thing. But also, I want us to be to be a church that that welcomes the people that came to the Adulam Cave, uh, you know, around David. Mm. Mm. You know, in in the in the cave of Adullam, it says that the those who were poor, those who were uh, unhappy, those who were you know struggling, came around David in that cave where 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 David was hiding from Saul. You know, and um, somehow it happened that in our church we uh, we are like that. We we want never to lose the focus that this is how we are and that we need we need to come around the king, you know, and and the king will uh, will do everything he needs to do in our life. So I want us to be a community of people that welcomes the poor, welcomes the um, 
those who are laid with heavy burden that welcomes the addicted welcomes the 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 people who are struggling so in that in that regard we have founded an ngo um just finished doing that we just starting our first project we want to help a number of families with real needs you know like single moms you know mm. who had alcoholic husbands and um um so we we want to to go in that direction we know there are other people doing it there are many churches who do it uh, it doesn't come naturally to to us to do that but we know this is what we we have to do and um I also study social work. You know, I went to study a degree in social work, especially for that, because we want we want to to fulfill our ministry of loving our neighbor. And we realize there's many opportunities if you, if we do this well and understand how it can be done properly and and uh, make use of every opportunity to, to do that. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, Vlad, this has been such a such a joy to hear from you. A couple of short, shorter questions before we then um, ask how we can pray. And I think I'll do that and Robbo can pray. But um, uh, one question is, apart from Matt Chandler, um, who have you been learning from or who do you enjoy receiving from? Who's kept you going through the last season of lockdown? Um, I've reading. I, I, I've been reading lots of lots of stuff. It's been a, a period of study for me. I think a season of. of I always okay. been into studying and reading and and learning. But uh, yeah. I'm learning a lot about uh, this area where I, I want to focus now. You know, on counseling in addiction. So in that sense, you know, uh, Ed Welch um, uh, and yeah. Yeah, and other guys. Um, um, yeah, many mm. many books on on counseling. Uh, Paul Trip, other yeah. other guys from CCF at at this time. Yeah. Um, I've been reading uh, uh, Tim Keller's Center Church recently, and okay. that that uh, yeah. helps me clarify many things on on um, you know what he talks there about theological vision and how to understand the culture and how that church should yeah. should impact that culture. So that's that that's been very helpful. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, great book. Um, you've you've already alluded to this last year having been a hard one. It's been hard for lots of people, I think, and obviously you felt that. Um, tell me, what do you say to yourself when you're struggling? Yeah. How do you counsel yourself? I guess you're reading BC UK and CCEF books. Um, how do you apply the gospel to your own heart in those moments of darkness and anxious confusion? Yeah, I I, um, I say to myself what the Lord said to me once when I was in in one of those those moments of frustration. I think and yeah, the Lord yeah. just said, just said this to me. You know, is like, do do you think you can handle this better than me? Not in an arrogant <laughs> way, you know. But do do you really think you you know better? And I, I say that to myself whenever I I start to to get frustrated. Man, do I know better than than God? Because our our desire yeah. was to come here and and preach the gospel, you know. And uh, you know, it, at the beginning of 2020, I knew exactly what 2020 will look like. How big our uh, church will be, how big our team will be, and all the plans what will happen every month and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in in about October 2019, I started praying, God, what do you want me to preach the first week of 2020? And and 
you know, praying through that, the Lord led me to that passage in James 4 that says, come now you who say, you know, uh, tomorrow or tomorrow <laughs> you will go to destroy yeah. that city. Yeah? Uh, you are a mist that appear for a little while and then vanishes. So I preached that message. I don't know if you ever had that, that thing, like, I don't know why I have to preach this, but I have to preach it. You know, I have, I have to preach this. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm preaching to that passage the first week of 2020. And, mm. you know, I encourage people, you know, not to lean on their own understanding and all that. And, and you know, coronavirus was something that was happening in China. You know, it's something that will go away. And then, boom. And, and all the year that, that passage just rings into my mind. This is, this, mm. this is what our church needed to hear at the time. Yeah. But then... Yeah. I was so frustrated. Why can't we gather people and that they would hear the gospel? But through all that, God brings, you know, all these radio opportunities to us, all these podcast uh, opportunities to us that we're working on. And I'm like, man, you know, we, we do get to preach the gospel to many people, although it doesn't happen in our yeah. building, in our church, in yeah. a, you know, where I am. But I do get to record messages and people will hear them. There are people who want to, to broadcast that on their radio station. So that, that, was, that was incredible yeah. Yeah, to see God doing that. Wow. 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 Brother, we're going to pray for you now. Um, just give us a couple of things or give Robert a couple of things and he'll um, pray for you. But it has been such a joy to, to get to know you a bit over this and to hear your story. Please pray for our team to grow. We, we need musicians. Uh, uh, most of the people, yeah. I mean, Apart from two people in our church, no one grew up in a Christian family. That means we cannot sing. Okay. Amen. You can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot sing. Like Steve has a recording. He's blackmailing me with that. Uh, a recording of me singing. Uh, and uh, we cannot sing, but also... Also, like we need people. I, we have a guy who, who does that, Ruben. He's, he's amazing. He can play any instrument, but he's by himself. And, but we need people to get around him, you know, play instruments and lead us in worship. We know, you know, our worship before God does not depend on how good, you know, how many instruments you have. But mm. we need people who, who can choose songs and arrange songs and, 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 and lead us into that. So that we, we need that to, to happen, you know, godly people to, uh, to get involved in, in praying, in, uh, in singing ministry. Um, also, please pray for our projects that I told you about, you know, our more like social work projects, but through which we want to, to, to reach, uh, uh, families that really need the gospel and, uh, and also pray for yeah. our, uh, it's more like my podcast, you know, but it's our church's podcast because people are praying for me and supporting me in this. I, I record a, a podcast every Friday uh, about addictions from a biblical perspective. So uh, that's been okay. a really good, wow. a, a, a really, a, a real blessing for, for many people right now. So please pray wow. about that. Brilliant. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for your man. Father in heaven, I want to praise and thank you for Vlad, for Wana for Caleb, for Jackoff. I want to thank you that you've blessed this family. Father, we have heard from him how you brought him to yourself, how you did it through your word, the power of the spirit, the, 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 the work of your people. And I want to praise and thank you that you have done that and you have saved him. I want to thank you that you, you, you gave me an opportunity just to see that and be 
part of that story. And Lord, just to hear what you've done by taking somebody who was in darkness, brought them into light, and are now serving your people. I pray, Lord, that that, that would be a, a massive encouragement for those of us who are listening to see that actually the, the people who walk into our doors could may be the people that the Lord wants to send to different places. They may not know Jesus now. So, Father, I just pray that we would continue to pray as church leaders and church members for our neighbors, for our friends, for our family that do not know you. And, Father, that we would believe that you would use them. And I thank you that you are using Vlad in this way. I pray for Adulam Church. I pray, Lord, that you will help their team grow. I pray that you provide for them the people that they need in order to serve in the community of Timishwara. Father, for their projects that they're stepping into, care for the, the poor, to reach out to the marginalized and the, the vulnerable. I pray, Lord, that you would enable them and equip them and provide all that they need. And through those projects, people will come to know the Lord, Lord Jesus as well. And Father, for the for the for just for the the the, the influence and the the element of platform that you are giving Vlad to to speak into the, the the real issues of addiction and how the gospel can help people break free from that. I pray that you would bless him in that from his own experience, but also with the truth of the Bible. Father, I thank you. I thank you and I praise you that we get to see you changing the lives of people. And Father, I thank you that we've had a snippet of what you're doing in our brother's life mm. in Romania. We pray for Acts 29. We thank you for all that they're doing. And we thank you for how that is growing in Romania as well, to see more churches planted for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. We love you. And it's been Thank really you. good, really good to, to 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 speak to you. And uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, if there are people who want to contact you, they're able to contact you to support you in any way. We will put things in the show notes to open that out, so they can support you, pray for you, engage with you in any way that they want. And uh, I'm sure you, they'll be able to find you on social media and different things. God bless you. Yes. Give my love to your family, and see you soon, bro. God bless you. I will. I will. Same. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. See you. God bless. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Acts 29 Europe podcast, conversations on church planting in Europe. Do check out the show notes for links to some of the things we've been speaking about. And we'd love it if you would subscribe and share this with your friends. Join us again in two weeks' time.